Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. If you were here last week, all of our services blend. I think we had, what did we have? 11 or 12 services last week, including the men's encounter. But I talked about Nimrod. Nimrodian futility was the name of the message. Uh, you're like, what's that? Well, go listen to it. And in Genesis chapter 11, it's this, well, the whole thing's just very unusual. But what stood out to me more really than anything else was that verse, I believe it's verse 6. You can turn to Genesis. Go ahead. And then we'll go to Romans in a moment. Genesis 6, 11, verse 6. Pardon me. Genesis 11, verse 5. Thank you, Minister Mike. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building, which is, again, hysterical. It's, it's very sarcastic, which many people miss. The Lord came down. So they're building this massive city and this massive tower to reach up to the heavens. And the Lord's like, huh, what are they doing? Let me come down there and take a look. at What are you guys doing? That's the picture. It's very sarcastic, really. And the Lord says in verse 6, if as one people speaking the same language, they've begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. It came off the pages of my Bible and off of my device with such intensity from the Holy Spirit about unity and about agreement. And I touched on it in the message that I preached, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of it by the grace of God tonight out of the book of Romans. And I've uh, been teaching along these lines in my ETS program at 1230, but you can watch it anytime because it's recorded. It'll be on tomorrow. Let's all stand up on our feet. Romans chapter 15, find verse 23, reading from the New International Version tonight. Romans 15, verse 23 through 33. We do have notes for you. No promise to stick to them. But now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I have been longing for many years to see you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through to have you assist me to what? Assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Acacia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles shared in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Don't ever forget that. You always want to give and always want to stand with Israel. It's important as a Gentile. Verse 28. So after I've completed this task, I've made sure that they have received this fruit. I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will, be, I will come in full measure of the blessing of Christ. 
I urge you, brothers, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers. He gives them a prayer list. Pray that I be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service in Jerusalem be acceptable to all the saints there so that I, by God's will, may come to you with joy together with you, be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Father, thank you for what you're going to do tonight in this service and all those that will listen in India tonight we have, in Massachusetts, in Idaho, in Dillingham, and potentially all around the world. God, move in power. We won't stop you. Do all that you want. Release all that's in your heart, and I pray that the effects of this service would be far-reaching even to eternity. In the name of Jesus, amen. You may be seated. Anybody ever heard of mind over matter? I think the first time I heard that I was in school, they said, well, it's just mind over matter. You just need to get over it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I don't believe in mind over matter. In fact, that was used uh, by Mao Zedong as a Chinese ideology many, many years ago. But I don't believe in mind over matter. Let me, let me give this to you. Webster's Dictionary defines mind, defines this as the element or complex of elements in an individual that feels, perceives, thinks, wills, especially reasons, and mind over matter as able to, a situation in which someone is able to control a physical condition or problem, etc., by using the mind. Now, it's very, a very dangerous thing. As believers, we're not supposed to have mind over matter. You guys are looking at me all weird. I'm going over here. We're not supposed to be people that are mind, people that are mind, we're not people mind over matter people. We're people of faith. And we have tremendous power, far greater than the human mind. And there is a whole human potential movement, different ones that I strongly disagree with. It really makes no room for God and makes man out to be a God and I believe endorses demonic power without even knowing it. No, but I believe in the power of agreement. And I have seen impossible things become possible when people get in agreement with his word and get in agreement together. And I will say also that we as a church, as a people, are moving in supernatural ability and realms far beyond our own natural ability. God has moved in our lives and moved in this church over these decades so supernaturally that he could only get the credit. Can you say yes? I believe in the power of agreement. Now, agreement could be for good or evil. There's a book uh, written by George Otis Jr. called The Twilight Labyrinth. Anybody ever read that? Twilight Labyrinth is a powerful book. Uh, it covers, it was written, I don't know, years, early 90s, I think. And uh, it talks about spiritual mapping. And it's a book about why evil lingers in territories. Why why is certain cities and regions more demonically um, captivated than others? And how do we break the agreement of that? Well, that's exactly right. Agreement. When there's an agreement of evil, evil prospers. Just like with the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11. So the God comes down to see what man is doing, and he says with this agreement, if I could paraphrase, then nothing's impossible for them. And, 
and this is going to be very evil. My gosh, we'll have to just mess it up. But he doesn't knock over the tower. He messes up their agreement. He messes up their language. As a Christian, as a Christian, you can, uh, you have to be in agreement. I'll, I'll list some things, not on your nose, but worthy of writing in the in the margin. There's some some things that you should not be in agreement with. Everybody say, I should not be in agreement with the world. You should not be in agreement with the world. Try that again. I should not be in agreement with the but many believers are. Should not be in agreement with false doctrine. How many of you know there's lies out there? How many of you know there's gangrenous teaching? How many of you know there's, there's belief systems out there that it will rob, steal, kill, and destroy your life? You need to be discerning why and how. By the word of God, by the Holy Spirit, by accountability. You need to not be in agreement with false doctrine, the hyper-neo-Calvinism. It's, it's not of God. That's all I'll say about that. I've preached on it on other, t- on other times. But we need to not be in agreement with false doctrine. And we need to not be in agreement with unbelievers. I have no, I have no agreement with an unbeliever, mostly. It does cross over when they agree with something that I agree with by their own opinion. It just happens to be maybe happenstance. But I'm, I'm not in agreement with unbelievers. No, we need to be in agreement with God. Everybody say, I need to be in agreement with God. We need to be in agreement with God, which of course is, is founded in his word. You want to be in agreement with God, you got to know the word. If you're in agreement with the word, you're in agreement with God. If you're not in agreement with the word, you're not in agreement with God. You need to be in agreement with your spouse. And all the married people said, woohoo! It's one of the ways that God leads Pastor Karen and I. It's one of the ways that God leads us. We pray about things. God speaks to us and we move forward in agreement. I have known and I could list and give you names, married couples where the spouse is dead. And I think it was because God was trying to protect them, but the knuckleheaded husband in one instance wanted to get an airplane. I just want to get an airplane. She's like, please don't get an airplane. I want to get an airplane. I'm the man of my house. I'm going to get an airplane. I don't feel good about it. Let's pray. We, they prayed. They come, to, they come to agreement to agree to disagree. But the guy's like, no, you know what? I'm getting it. Well, he got it, and he was dead within 90 days. He's dead, and she's still alive, and he went to heaven early. I've seen over and over and over the pain of people who are not in agreement. Well, what do you do if you're not in agreement? I'll use my dog, Grace. If there's heaven, the dog's in heaven now. But but by Grace, we used her as an illustration for years. She was 14 years old, and she died. And it was a sad day. I wanted her to, to bring forth some puppies. Amen. She had Jack Russell Terrier, highly intelligent, great dog. Pastor Karen's like, you're not, the dog's not going to have puppies. I'm like, yeah, the dog is going to have puppies. She's like, the dog's not going to have puppies because I'm the one that's going to take care of it, and we're not doing that. I'm like, well, let's pray. Okay, no, we need to get the dog fixed. I say, then we're not getting the dog fixed. We're going to get an agreement. 14 years, the dog never got fixed, and it never had puppies. <laughs> we agreed to disagree. I, I didn't come against her, and she didn't come against me, and I guess in the end she won. But, I mean, sometimes, you know, <laughs> sometimes it's like that. You need to be in agreement with your spouse, your kids. You you need to be in agreement with your church. You need to be in agreement with vision. You need to be in agreement. Without agreement, then then the enemy has room to operate. Let me give you some scripture. 
Matthew 18, 19, if two of you agree touching anything on the earth in my name, he'll do it. It's basically what that says. In Psalm 133, and turn to 2 Chronicles 5. Go ahead, turn to 2 Chronicles chapter 5. How good and pleasant it is, this is Psalm 133, how good and pleasant it is for the brethren and sistren. That's, that's a joke. Brethren includes men and women. To dwell together in unity, for it's there that God commands the blessing. Don't ever forget that. We've had tremendous time for these 41 years of serving in tremendous unity at King's Cathedral and Chapels. And I am convinced that is one of the reasons God has poured out his blessing upon us, even his commanded blessing found right here, Psalm 133. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, see if this sounds just a little bit familiar to you. Uh, verse 12, they, accompanied, they were accompanied by 120 priests. How many? 120 priests sounding trumpets. The trumpeters and musicians joined in unison, says the NIV, in accord. They were in agreement, let me say it that way, to give praise and thanks to the Lord, accompanied by trumpets, cymbals, and other instruments. Singers raised their voices to praise the Lord and sing, He is good, His love endures forever. Let's all try that. He is good, His love endures forever. And then this word there, then, then, everybody say then. Then the temple of the Lord was filled with the cloud and the priests could not perform their services because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the temple of God. It's the same in, in Acts chapter two. In fact, this Old Testament example is really a type and shadow of the outpouring of the spirit in the upper room when there's 120 and they come together and their voices were lifted on the day of Pentecost when it had fully come. And they lifted their voices in prayer. A sound of a mighty rushing wind came. The same in the Old Testament when they were unified in worship. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm over and over and over trying to get you unified in worship. So many people are checking their Snapchat, looking at their Instagram, wondering about their burnt toast from the morning. Jeez, oh, what, what, how long is he going to preach? It's 7.51 right now. I hope he doesn't go past 9 o'clock. I mean, how is God supposed to move in a place where there's no agreement and we're constantly thinking about the burnt toast or what you're going to eat after? Are you going to go to Cane's and get a Kanak attack? or whatever it is, get one of those things and just eat it. You just can't wait, can't, oh, I hope he goes short. And, and yet, we want God to come with the rushing wind, but there's really very little agreement. 120 priests. There is power in agreement. Say it. There is power in agreement. John 17, Jesus prays for the church to be brought into unity. It's the only prayer, unanswered prayer of Jesus. It's the only one that's unanswered in all of Scripture. But it's not over yet. Acts 2, again, Romans 15. Listen to this, verse 5. Now may the God of patience comfort you. Listen closely. Grant you to be like-minded toward one another according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's talking about being in agreement because when there's agreement, there's a move of God, especially and specifically when there's agreement with his word. Let's look at this text. Why does Paul share his plan with the Roman church? 
Well, again, it's the book of Romans. It's Paul's theology. And as I said over the weekend in one of our 11 services, that more revivals have been brought about by the book of Romans than any other. And he let his vision be known. What vision? The vision to come and bring or receive an offering for them and bring an offering to Jerusalem and to come and to visit them and to get them. to. He shares his vision. He makes his vision known. He does what? He had to let his vision be made known. Habakkuk chapter 2 and verse 2 says, and The Lord replied, Write down the vision, make it plain on tablets, so that a herald may run with it. For the revelation awaits at an appointed time. It speaks of the end, and it will not prove false. Writing down vision. We have a vision here at King's. By 2025, we will have 1,200 churches. 1,200 churches. That, that's a lot. We have 500 right now. Actually, it's probably more than that. They grow throughout the weeks, but approximately 500 right now. We have a vision, corporate vision, to see that come to pass. We have a vision here of finishing our building and moving in. That's just months away. Come on, someone say that's just months away. Paul understood about prophetic utterance, and he understood about agreement. Somebody said, do we have prophetic utterance in this church? All the time. We are constantly declaring what we're believing that God's going to do. One of the newest things on radar is the King's School, King's Christian School. You pray for that. We don't have the whole, we don't have it fully, um, fully clarified and written down just yet. It's in process. You know, vision, you have to fight for it. You have to contend for it. And Paul had a, a vision and he wanted to make it known. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. It says, since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believe, quote, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore we speak. See, Paul knew that he had to speak it. He had to share it. The same is true for you. What's the vision for your family? What's the vision that you have for your kids? What's the vision you have for your, for your marriage? What's the vision you have for your business? What's the vision you have for the church? What's the vision that you, what is the vision that you have? You've got to be able to articulate it. You have to be able to communicate it and you need to speak it forth. We're moving into our building. It's going to be paid off with shouts of, does that sound familiar? I sound like a skipping CD sometimes. Why? Because it's the truth and you have to speak it. You have to prophesy. You've got to declare it. You've got to, come on somebody, say amen. And you've got to take steps of faith. If you want to be used in the supernatural, you have to get your mouth behind what God speaks to your heart when you read the Word. He stands over His Word, not your opinion. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. And actually, in the Greek, it's to have the faith of God. How many of you know God has faith? But it's not the kind that we have, unless He gives it to us, which is called the gift of faith. The gift of faith is when you're praying, and, and please pray for me, that God will give me the gift of faith. Pray for all of my staff, Pastor Curse and all of our staff, pray, God would give us the gift of faith. Pray for Dr. Morocco, God would give him the gift of faith and the gift of leadership. Those are the two main things we need. If we're gonna impact this world, we're gonna plant 1,200 churches and beyond. That's just in the next few years. It will be thousands and thousands and thousands. How's that gonna happen? By faith, by, by declaring, by prophesying, by taking steps of faith. And so have, the, have faith of God, says Mark eleven twenty two. 22. God's faith is perfect. It doesn't grow. And when God gives that to you, it's called the gift of faith. It's complete. And maybe some of you have had that operate in your life where you prayed for something and bam, fried chicken. 
It happens. You pray and it's like a bell rings. I mean, you know in your knower. Somebody said, how do you... Somebody said, how do you know your prayer was answered? I know. How do you know? I know, man. How do you know? In my knower. I know. It's your, in your innermost being, and your spirit bears witness that God answered your prayer. And then you see just a day later, two days later, three days later, God, God seems to do a three days later thing for me quite a bit. And then bam, it comes to pass. Come on, somebody say hallelujah. So he shares, he shares vision. He understood that his plans, I'm writing your notes now, his plans had to align themselves with God's plan and then God could do the impossible. Let me say that again. When your plans align with God's plans, then God does the impossible. So many people are asking God to be the author and the perfecter of the plan that they authored. God does not, God's not obligated to finish what you start. But he is absolutely obligated and will absolutely finish what he starts. Aren't you glad that he started a good thing in you? He'll, he'll complete it to the day of Christ Jesus. Come on, somebody say holla, holla, holla. Come on. <laughs> All right. He understood that his plans had to align themselves with God's plan and that God could do the impossible. Look at Romans chapter 4, verse 17, I believe. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of whom he believed, talking of Abraham, God who gives life to the dead and call those things which do not exist as though they did. You see, when God gives you faith, when he gives you confident assurance of what you cannot see, when he speaks to your heart a dream, a vision, and he confirms it in his word. You hold on to that thing like a pit bull on a bone. You don't let go of it. You declare it. You proclaim it. You pray. You take steps of faith. You get other people involved to agree with you. And it will come to pass. Sometimes it takes many, many years. I wanted to be in our building a long time ago. But here we are in a six-year building project. But we're moving in soon. Hallelujah. And I take comfort in the fact that it was seven years to build the temple. And, you know, maybe we weren't ready. That's the other thing. We're such an instant, you know, I need it now. We're so instant. We want it now. You're not mature enough to walk into what God said he's going to give you. You're growing up right now. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, grow up. You know, we've grown up a lot in the past six years. Church has doubled in size, has doubled in strength financially. You know, we started, we weren't ready to move into it. I'm so glad it wasn't like doink, and then it was sitting there, and then we had to, we, I, it would have killed us. We're still not ready, you're not? No, we'll be ready when we move in. Come on, somebody say amen. I feel ready, though. Just saying. You know, God's an on-time God. He sure ain't never early. Somebody said, Lord, when are you going to be there? He said, I'll be there in just a second. And then you understand that a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day, so you can do the math on what just a second it is. I thought he was late, but then he, he's, come on, as that gospel song says, he's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Amen. <laughs> Romans 15, 32. That I may come to you with joy in the will of God, and that you may be refreshed. It's not an arrogant declaration. He understood that his role to play was to declare vision, to pray, and move forward. 
your role. Some people think that things are just going to show up because you decided to get up and come to church. You've got to fight for some things. You have to contend for things. You have to, you have to put your foot into it and pray and, and give and serve and even fast. He goes on to say, which you know I'm, gonna, I'm going to be bringing it to you. Join me in my struggle. Oh, Apostle Paul. Join me in my struggle. Most people have no clue about what it is to labor, to birth in prayer. Most churches are absent or void of prayer meetings. I I said to somebody just recently, the reason that God is doing what he's doing here, I know what it is. We pray. He uses the likes of us donkeys. Yes. Some of you thought that was a Canadian goose, but it was a donkey. That'll do, donkey. Look at C. He needed them to be in agreement. And that is basically what we're talking about, to agreement, because he needed their help. And I would say this, as I've said so many times before over all the years that I've been pastoring here, that what God wants us to do is far beyond our natural ability, and it's more than just one person or one family or just a group of people. It takes hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of people to fulfill what God's called us to do. And any vision that you have that you can do by yourself is a vision that you have for yourself, but it's not from God. When God gives you a vision, it's far beyond anything you could do, and it always incorporates other people. So when it's done and it comes to pass, (laughs) all you could go is, oh, God, you're amazing. God's the one that gets the glory. And vision's progressive. I said vision's progressive. It'll grow. So he says in verse 24, I plan to do so when I come to Spain. I hope to visit you while I'm passing through to have you assist me. To what? Assist me on my journey there. He tells him because he says, I need your help. I'm coming. We're going to do a massive pumpkin patch, and I need you to sign up and bring your 1,500 pounds of candy. It's assisting. It's, it's being a part of the harvest and the plan and the vision, and he's sharing that so they can be in agreement. So they can be in what? Agreement. That's why I tell you, get into the Discover Track. Go through Discover Track. Find your place here. Find a place to serve. Why? Because we need help? We really don't. We're good. But you need to serve because you find a sense of significance and importance and purpose in your life. And when we begin to move like that as one man, as Paul was saying, with one mind contending for the faith, as it says in Philippians, my God, I will tell you what will happen. We can turn this state around. We can turn the United States around. We can see a great move of God. Can you say amen? Come on, can you say a better amen? limp-wristed, apathetic individualists. Don't want to plug in. Don't want to be a part of something. Nobody here, of course. Let's move on. Verse 30 and 31. He needed their agreement because he needed their help to assist him. He needed to be in agreement. He needed their help not only to assist him, but to pray for him. Verse 30. I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. And he gives a list. Pray that I be kept safe from unbelievers in Judea and the contribution I take to Jerusalem would be favorably received. Paul had this understanding of agreement. You know, nothing is more powerful when people get in agreement. I've seen, I've seen agreement take place. Marriage is a, is a wonderful thing. One can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000. Listen, married couples, you can't afford to be out of agreement. 
You, you have to fight for that. You got to contend for it. We do literally, we do everything in agreement. I mean, we endeavor to, we try to. When I take trips, I plan, I pray, my wife prays. We feel good about it. We feel good between us and the Holy Ghost. I'm jumping on an airplane tomorrow, and I'm flying to Seattle to go help and be a part of a funeral on Friday. I'll be in Seattle Friday night. I'll spend one night there. I'll be in a funeral on Friday, and I fly back. So I, I know the right thing for me to do is be there, and I want to be there for my pastor and their family. They lost a 35-year-old son, and I, you know, I'm going to go. But at the same time, I... I had a little bit of trouble last night. I had to pray through. And I prayed through and I prayed. I'm checking with Karen. You feel good about it? She says, yeah, I feel good. You feel good? I got no. Something's not quite right. So I spent time. And, I, and, and then I had an intercession all night last night. Yay. Wee. I don't know about you. I like sleeping. But I also understand that if you can't sleep, then you're not going to sleep. And if it's not, if I can't sleep, then it's time for, it's time for a prayer meeting. And so I prayed for hours and hours and hours over all kinds of things. And one of them was this trip. And in my, then I went and had a dream. And in my dream, my flight was wrong. And I was staying in the wrong hotel. And so during the day, as I processed that, I thought to myself, uh, we're just going to change that. So I called, I said, change my flight, make it this and change my hotel, make it here. And they changed it. And I thought, we're good. Let's go. Lock and load, baby. Listen, don't do stuff out of agreement. If you don't have peace in your spirit, then change it. There's nothing more powerful than being in agreement with a husband and a wife. Nothing more powerful than a church being in agreement to come together to pray as we've been doing these many years. And that's why you see the kind of fruit that's... I have a zero strife policy. You come to make strife here, we'll be uh, having a come to Jesus conversation. And uh, actually, it doesn't usually get to me very rarely. You'll have a, one of those conversations with a lot of my leaders. We don't do strife. We don't do gossip. We don't do that here. If you want to try that, you'll be warned once. That's it. There's no three strikes. That's baseball. You're warned once after the second time. That's what the Bible says. Now, we try to be kind. and Thank God I wasn't kicked out of the church for all the times that I stirred up strife before I became a pastor and got de- before I got delivered. Come on, somebody say, hallelujah, I should have been kicked out many times. You know that's right. But we don't allow it. We don't allow for nonsense. And lo- lovingly, graciously, we, we endeavor to store people, but we don't restore people, but we don't allow strife. Have a zero strife policy in your business. Have a zero strife policy in your home. Have a zero strife policy in everything you do. Do not allow for strife. And there's times where you just got to pray through. And it might take a couple days to get it straight. Paul understood that. God is speaking to us tonight. You've got to always be sharing vision before it comes, to, before it happens, so that you can get the power of agreement to be released. Let me say that again. There must always be a sharing of the vision before it happens, so the power of agreement can be released. I'm telling you, the reason you see a 73,000 square foot facility over there is because we've been walking in agreement these many years. So how are we going to move in? The same way. How are we going to plant 1,200? How are we going to have 1,200 churches? The same way. Agreement. You know, if you were to get in a, a fight and have your hand open, that you would most likely be spraining your fingers and not do too much damage unless, you know, you poke somebody. But when you make a fist... 
It has power that fingers on their own don't. When we are together, when we are united as one man contending, that's why I, I, I was just reading this book called The Advantage. Uh, and it's about organizational health. It's a secular book, but it fits for church world and businesses. The Advantage. I would suggest that you read it, especially if you're interested in leadership things. And in The Advantage, it talks about creating clarity. If you can't articulate, if your people and your, 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 your employees, your people, the, those that you're ministering to, if I could use church language, can't articulate what the vision is, you are not communicating clearly. You are not communicating clearly. So you should be able to fill in the blank. We will complete this building with shouts of? Now, where does that come from? Zechariah chapter 4. What are you, old mountain, before Zerubbabel? You should become a level plain, and the capstone will be set with shouts of grace, grace. Where does that come from? It's the prophetic word that God gave us to build the building. Actually, it's the prophetic word that God called me up to Alaska with. So here we are. How did you say grace, grace? Because I've said it thousands of times. That's a little, oh, grace, grace. I was driving with, uh, where's Brother Toby? I was driving with Brother Toby uh, and his son. I don't know, I was in the back of his beautiful car and we're, we're driving down the highway and uh, we're going past the, uh, I think we had, a, we had Dr. Morocco, I think. He was in the front and I was in the back and your son was sitting there. We're going by the building and your son is on a phone or doing whatever he was doing and we're going by the building and as we go by, I'm just about to lift up my hands and say, grace, grace, and he's like, grace, grace. <laughs> okay, like, how old is he? <laughs> He's been doing that half of his life. So he's just like, grace, grace. He got, I mean, he'll be an old man and his children will be, his great-grandchildren will be like, grace, grace. What are you doing? I don't know. We've been doing that in our family for years. Well, we've been doing that for generations. Grace, grace. That's the way vision should be. You keep communicating it. You keep declaring it. You keep saying it. You keep praying it. You keep giving. You keep serving. You keep prophesying. Don't let up. You get in that thing like it's a howitzer and mow down the opposition. Da, 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 da. Grace, 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 grace. Ah! Grace, 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 grace. I said grace, 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 grace. Get up. Grace, grace, grace. Am I spitting? Come on, lift your hands to Jesus all across this place. Come on! you got to be in agreement. If you're going to see the power of God put on display, you must be in agreement. Our vision, the 12120, 1200 extensions, 120,000 people. Everybody say it. The 12120. The what? 12-120. Try it again. Ready, set, go. That's division till 2025. God's calling us to believe for the impossible. This is only impossible with man. It's only impossible with man. Because with God, all things are possible. Yeah, but get rid of the butt. Goats butt. Sheep say yes. Yes. Grace, grace. Goats, goats are different. Well, I don't know about that. I don't have any money to do that. Where are we going to get the time to do that? 
This is too much work. Goat. If you're offended, Pastor Kirsten told me to say that. Come on, God's calling us to believe for the impossible. In your family, it's not enough to me. Listen, the whole point is as you've been, as you're here and you're growing and you listen to this message, there's, there's thousands of people that are not here, but they'll listen later. You listen to messages like this, internalize it. Don't keep it out there. Make it yours. There's a couple in our church, I'll brag on them. A couple in our church are building a house and, you know, the water is supposedly hard to find, you know? Hard to, another water story. How many water stories do we have? So many. Like, well, you gotta, you know, you wanna build the house in the right place, get the view in the right spot. Well, the water, they say, is like, I don't know, what is it, a thousand yards or something? Can you imagine bearing a water line 10 to, 10 to 14 feet, 12 feet, whatever it is, a thousand yards from your house? Well, that's where the water is. You know where the water is? And let me just say this for your, your life. Water meaning everything that you're believing God for. You know where the water is? Wherever God tells you the water is. And sometimes it is a thousand yards. But in this case, they prayed and they walked the land and they believed. And they're like, we'd really like it kind of here. We kind of feel like it's here. God, a scripture. God gave a scripture out of Isaiah. We prayed. I agreed with them. Man, they struck water at 140 feet close to their house, right exactly where they wanted it. And a total anomaly for the entire neighborhood. Nobody has water like that. Everybody ran it from wherever. Timbuktu had to bring the water in. Oh no, not us. How come? Because you're full of faith and you listen to God's word. Nothing is impossible. Now the thing is, sometimes when it's a thousand yards and God tells you to do it and he'll pay for it, then you better still obey a thousand yards. It's, mo- it's not money. It's God's, the word. It's the word. It's, it's when God speaks to you and you know. You internalize these things. Don't just leave them here, a part of this great church, and I'm glad you are, but you internalize them and you make them yours and your children and your children after them. You make you and your generation serve God. Be a people that can radically put on display the power of God in healing, signs, wonders, miracles, provision. Come on, it's tax time. He might tell you to go fishing. Pull that salmon out with a couple coins in there. God's calling us to believe for the impossible. We got to rely on the, we must rely on the Holy Spirit to accomplish God's purposes. I find the battle, the battle for me many times where the rub is, is when my drive, it's my personality, I'm driven. When my drive and my ambition to do something for God comes up against a stop sign from God. And I don't really, I don't want him to say stop. I don't want him, to, I want to just, I want him to endorse me and just, I'm going to run. I'm going to run it over. And yet there's times we like, hold, wait. <laughs> I don't want to wait. I want to get it done already. But if you don't learn to listen to him, Come on, sometimes it's green light. Glory to God. When it's a green light, do everything you can to go through it. When it's a red light, you better stop. Stop in the name of love. Okay, stop. Other times it's yellow, which means accelerate. Amen? No. (laughs) Yellow means only in driving. (laughs) 
Yellow means caution. Caution, easy, easy, caution. Would you believe to go to another level agreement in your home? Would you commit yourself? I'll give you homework right now. Husbands and wives, families, what is the vision for your family? What is it? We have a vision we've written out in our family. What is the vision you have for your family? What's the vision you have for your life? What's the dream you have? What's your five-year plan, 10-year plan? I don't got any goals. I'm just glad to be alive. I understand that. But now, now raise, raise the horizon. Lift your eyes up a little bit higher. You're alive. He's got a plan. He knows the plans he has for you, Jeremiah 29, 11 plans to give you hope in the future, to help you, not to harm you, to fulfill purpose and destiny for you. Come on, if you were just supposed to be saved, you'd drop dead right after you prayed it. Lord, forgive me of my sin, and you'd be thud on the ground. <laughs> Go to the next level of agreement. What do you believe in God for? We get an agreement with our giving. We, we give supernaturally. We believe God to do supernatural way above and beyond our tithe. Why? Because, because, why not? Let's believe God. Let's do it. I figure years ago, the Lord spoke to my wife and I and said, if you don't lead and sacrifice, you expect everybody else to? Many years ago. that nope. <laughs> the funny thing was, Pastor Kirsten, is we thought we were sacrificing already. <laughs> we're like, wait, <laughs> what were we doing? <laughs> you go to another level. Come on. He's a big God. Don't limit him. Don't limit him through your finite mind, through finite thinking, finite actions. With God, nothing is impossible. Get an agreement with his word. Get an agreement in vision in the house, certainly in the church, in your family. What is the vision you have for your kids? Let your kids participate. Dream. Come on. God will perform and bring about the dream. I have a, I have a vision. I have a dream of America coming back to Christ. I have a vision, I have a dream of a great revival ensuing. I have a vision and a dream of what God did at other times, Him doing right now. Another great awakening, Him fanning to flame the coals that are still, are still burning coals in the Northeast and, and, and the East Coast and in California. I have, I have a dream of God pouring out His Spirit in America, but not just America, in every nation, every tribe, every tongue, in Great Britain. I have a dream for God to take Great Britain back. Great, Great Britain's been subjugated by, by Muslims, and they just did it through sheer population. The church went to a social gospel and gave it all up. There's empty churches turned into mosques all over Great Britain. Used to be the, the largest sending out missionary base was Great Britain of all, of all time. Oh, America might have beat it by now. I don't know. But it's not that way anymore. Couldn't it be again? It could. It could be again. The greatest harvest is upon us. The greatest harvest of souls is upon us. Would you believe and have a vision for that? What about here? God is going to give us 10% of the population. That would be 10,000 people. That's impossible. The door is right back there. Feel free to walk out. It's not impossible. I just taught you. Nothing's impossible. Everybody say 10%. Okay, why? So we have to talk about numbers? Well, God has a book in the Bible called Numbers. I guess it's important to him. Yeah, numbers are souls. It's not about building somebody's kingdom. Stand up on your feet. It's about building his kingdom. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com.